Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Phineas Club. My name is Patrick Beja. We're in February 2021, and this is episode number, God, I don't know how many of those have we made. Uh, about 200 or so? I don't even remember. But uh, we're here to talk about the news. And uh, guess what? The news is probably going to be COVID again. It's been about a year, so we'll have some uh, looking back to do and maybe some looking forward a little bit. I'm very glad to be welcoming to the show two wonderful people. Uh, well, one, I know for sure he's wonderful. The second one, it's the first time <laughs> on, on the show. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll be silently judging her brilliantness and awesomeness. But first, Louis, hey, how's it going? From Portugal, you woke up early for this. Uh, hi, Patrick. Oh, well, not too early. Uh, mm. You know, I'm great. It's uh, you, you have to work on your like self praising skills. I'm like, before <laughs> we started recording, I was like, oh my god, you woke up so early, seven thirty, to do this, and you were like, no, it's fine. Just, just make it, make it worth it. Like, oh, I woke up so early. No, no, it's no. so difficult. No, I'll explain because I actually uh, when. Um... You told me the time. I thought it was like uh, seven thirty your time, which would be which would be five thirty to me. So <laughs> uh, when I when we straightened that out, and it was oh seven thirty. Okay, that's good. That's great. <laughs> it's much better than five thirty. Right. So that's that's the 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 technique. You just uh, uh, start off with something horrendous, and then uh, you make it easier. So all right, I'll keep that in mind. We are also <laughs> welcoming from, well, I think quite literally the other side of the globe, uh, Sarah is here with us. Uh, Sarah Kesley. How's it going, Sarah? Hi, it's going so well. It, I am on the other side of the world and it is the other side of the day. It's currently 8.30pm where I am, so quite late, the opposite of Lewis. Uh-huh. We are, so you're in uh, New Zealand. I, did I mention it? No, you're in New Zealand. Um, which yes. I was, I, I, I warned you before we even started recording, <laughs> I said I was going to make a tasteless joke about uh, New Zealand and Australia like being the same or something. I'm not going to do it because I'm a classy <laughs> person. I also actually had, uh, uh, when I was living in Japan, I had a girlfriend, a very serious relationship for a couple of years who was from New Zealand. So I have nothing but the utmost respect for New Zealand and all of its sheep. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for appreciating us and our sheep. That means heaps to us because there are more sheep than people here. So It's like like 5 million people and 60 million sheep, is it? I, that's yeah, the, the it's figure like, I remember. Yeah, it's, there's five. I think the stat is there's five sheep for every one human in mm -hmm, the country. Yeah. But the thing I love the most is the accent. Anytime I, I watch a YouTube video made by a, a, a New Zealander, uh, YouTuber, I'm like, oh, that accent. It's so, so lovely. Uh, <laughs> I Glad remember, to hear you like it. I, you know, I remember, again, with that girlfriend, at some point she was like, uh, I have a headache. And I was like, what? What are you? I didn't speak English very well back then, or not as well as I do now. Uh, you have what? A headache. And I, I, it took me like five minutes to understand. Headache. Now I do. <laughs> so, That's so funny. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I'm, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like we do, we say some things that I feel sound completely different. And then when I'm saying them, I'm like, how can you not understand? But obviously we are, <laughs> we're talking in the weirdest kind of tone. It's, you know, it's the same with, uh, with 
So I have a, a whole new appreciation for different uh, versions of the same language now that I live in Finland mm -hmm. and that I speak, my wife is, is Swedish speaking and she speaks, of course, the Swedish from Finland, which is quite different from the Swedish from, from Sweden and, and especially the Swedish from uh, Stockholm, which as yeah. a French person and a Parisian, I would be like, well, of course, the main country and the capital is the way you should speak. Not even, you know, going <laughs> into the issues between the inside of the country's accents. But now when I hear Swedish speaking uh, in, in, from Sweden, it sounds, I'm sorry to my Swedish listeners, I'm offending everyone today. I don't know what's up with me, but <laughs> it sounds so ridiculous. Like it sounds so artificial and silly i'm not gonna even try to emulate the accent but it sounds so dumb and i'm like i guess that's how people feel like from i don't know canada or belgium when they hear me speak french they're like oh that precious <laughs> little patrick and i'm sure that's how you feel when you hear americans or english speak english mm. <laughs> All right, you don't want you don't want to get into the offensive conversation that I started. Oh, That's no. fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> but can you tell us a little bit about yourself so the the listeners um, know a little bit of context about you before we get started? Yeah, sure. So um, yes, I live in Auckland, New Zealand, and I have a podcast myself. Actually, it's called the One Up Project, and on that we talk about um, financial literacy and sort of self development topics. Just because um, here our education system really doesn't focus on a lot of the things you end up needing to learn um, later on in life, like how to invest or how to buy your first home, um, and kind of those life basics. So we get left in the dark a little bit. And I created the podcast pretty much as a resource to help people out with that and those sort of topics um, within New Zealand, but now got a few over um, in our sister country, Australia as well, and then moving <laughs> slowly around the world. So yeah, it's going well. So how does it work exactly? Like, do you cover a show per, like, I, I wouldn't think that a podcast, as much as I love podcasting, I wouldn't think podcasts would be a good format for that. Or is it just you go over, you, you expect people would listen to previous episodes or how does it work? Yeah, so um, I guess it's not necessarily showing like visually how you could do it. It's more just hearing people um, people's experiences. So mm. say, for example, um, first home buying, You'd get someone on um, who has maybe 10 to 20 properties or someone who only has one and then talk to them about their experience as to how they got on the property ladder and then they can share their tips um, for what worked for them and then people are just basically taking from that. So it's kind of a shared experience platform more than anything so that we can just get that value around to as many people as possible. Sounds really cool. The One Up Project, so you can check it out. Um, and thank you for being on the show. Um, thank before, you for having me. Before we get started, I do want to thank the uh, people who make this show possible, the, patri the patrons. I, was gonna, I almost said the Patreons, because in French, we call them Patriots. The See, Patreons who, well, anyway, I mean, I call them like that, because the ones that support my French shows. And you are Patriots of Patreon for the Felix Club as well. Patriots of the world. Uh, thank you so much for supporting the show. It means the world to me, almost literally. 
And uh, I, if you enjoy the show, if you get something out of it, please do consider uh, joining the Patriots of the Phileas Club at uh, patreon.com slash the Phileas Club. The link will be in the show notes. All right. Um, let's talk about what has been happening in the world. And I feel like we've had two main topics over the past year, and that's been, well, COVID and uh, the elections in the U.S., and I guess, so last year, almost to the day, I was uh, going to Japan. And some of you might remember this, but I was with my wife going for a week in Japan, our first trip alone without our, our three-year-old son or two-year-old back then uh, at the time. And it was such a joy for us to go to Japan and finally go back there. We love the country. We've been there a few times. I've lived there for a few years. But anyway, we were we had been talking about it and looking forward to it for months. And uh, it was, as many of the listeners know, um, things with the little one haven't been super easy for the first few uh, couple of years. So it was like the, the, that thing at the end of <laughs> lovely parental tunnel. And... As we were queuing in the security line, uh, the security check at the airport, my wife got an email from her uh, work that said, all right, so things seem to be going badly in Japan. When you co- if you come back from Asia, from Asia, you have to quarantine for a couple of weeks. And we started looking into how badly things were going. And in that moment it all kind of came into focus and became real that this was a serious problem that we had to take a little bit more seriously. I think I'm talking about the pandemic, of course, that we had to take a little bit more seriously than we had been until then. And so on the spot, we decided we don't want to get stranded in Japan, of course, with our son uh, being here with his, of course, he wasn't alone with his uncle and, and granddad, but, um, we wanted to be able to come back and not be quarantined when we come back because he would have been very, very sad. We weren't super worried about ourselves, but that was the issue. So on the spot, we canceled that trip we had been looking forward to so much. And at that point, it was like something really big for us. Um, I think we didn't realize how bad it was going to get. And looking back on it now, it feels like we had completely underestimated. I was. I remember we went to a hotel for the weekend as a kind of uh, uh, making up for it, and I remember making a video in the lobby of that hotel, uh, an Instagram video that I'm sure you can find on IGTV still. And I, it was. I felt it was so dramatic for me. I was like, "Oh, we couldn't go to Japan. It's so sad. It's so terrible." And we got so many messages, like on Twitter, when we said we weren't going there of like people being sympathetic to our terrible plight of not being able to get on a plane. And looking back on it now, it feels so ridiculous, you know, that we have had so much more to deal with, everyone, the world. So I guess that's what I'm reminded on of on this one-year anniversary, anniversary where we were back then and how ridiculous it seems that we were so sad about not being able to go to Japan. I'm still sad I couldn't go, but it's like there are bigger issues <laughs> in the world, Patrick. Um, so I don't know. That's the one year anniversary, I suppose. Uh, Sarah, 
it's been a year, um, more or less. How do you feel after that year? Like, is it, did you realize back then was New Zealand ready and did they, did the country understand what was coming? Or is it similarly kind of a, when you look back, you're like, okay, that we didn't expect it to go that way. Yeah. Well, like, first of all, I just think it's so crazy that you were literally going to go to Asia right before it all sort of, I guess, the seriousness of it came to fruition. And so mm. looking back, I can just imagine you thinking now that that was the best decision and a decision that heaps of people would have ended up having to make anyway. But yeah. at the time you would have felt like uh, it was such a, you know, um, shame and no one else was having to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. And it was like, going to Asia seemed like, oh, yeah, it's okay, it's fine. And now it's like, what were we thinking? Like, of course, we should. Mm. But, but back then, you know, Japan was like, we have everything under control. It's only that boat where we had cases, but we've handled it. And it was like, okay, you know, and, and we were still yeah. in that, in that spirit of, oh, it's just a flu. Stop being dramatic. Not yeah. that much. I mean, we understand. We, I'm caricaturing a little bit. We understood a little bit more than this. We were being careful, we thought. But yeah. So yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people saying they had it under control to like seemed like a realistic statement back then. But actually, mm -hmm. you know, no one had it under control. Um, and like coming to New Zealand, um, we were so... I definitely say, looking back, we had no idea how serious it actually was. I think I was at a concert um, around this time last year that had like 20,000 people at it. And um, I remember thinking after that uh, concert, like, oh, there'll be no issues with that COVID thing. Like, it's not going to come here. It won't matter. And then I think within a month, we were in a level four lockdown, which was... <laughs> everything closed apart from supermarkets and mm -hmm. so the drastic change from going you know from a concert with 20,000 people at it to not leaving my house for the next six to eight weeks was pretty um, insane but looking back um, even though at the time there was a lot of debate about whether or not that was the right decision to go into a lockdown so in air quotations early compared to mm -hmm. a lot of other countries um, I'm just so grateful that we did because now we're in the position that we are with having like, well, we were COVID free up until the other week and they keep sort of popping up every now and then, but definitely very much under control. And um, yeah, just crazy to think how at the time, I think people were very quick to criticize our government on how they were acting in terms of putting us into a level four lockdown straight away like it was there wasn't even a build-up it was just went from being free one day to boom you're not leaving your house for the next six weeks yeah. um yeah it was very intense but so grateful looking back at that now because we get to live a reasonably normal life at this point you know it's it's really crazy how how much we lose the understanding of the situation back then um as you said, we like we had no, we were completely oblivious to the obvious elements that need to be put in place. And some people are still fighting uh, lockdowns and things like that. And I understand that there's a you know a, a issues with the economics that are also important and and you know all of that. But I remember everyone watching uh, Contagion back then, the movie um, when it first yeah. started, and everyone was in lockdown. And I think I made that not a joke but that remark at the time 
in the movie, they have this airborne virus that is spreading and killing everyone, and it's realistic in many, many ways. But the things, there are two things they don't do, which are social distancing. They, they talk about it once in the, you know, at some point in an interview, they, they don't do social distancing and they don't wear masks or not enough. And I remember thinking a month before COVID started, I think we watched it in like, I don't know, April or, or May. But at that point, everyone understood, well, most people understood what needed to be done in order to contain it, even if we didn't actually do it. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, three months ago, I would have watched that movie and thought, oh, they're doing everything right. You know, they're like doing the doctor things and not even understanding that the obvious, the things that seem obvious to us at that point, when we've learned about how pandemics are dealt with, they didn't, like, it didn't seem weird that they didn't even wear masks or do any form of social distancing. It's so crazy, like, how much our understanding of these things evolves and how much we forget that we just didn't know. We, we had no clue. I don't know. It's weird to think yeah. of. Yeah, it's so it's so strange. And, I mean, I guess this is the first, well, the first time in ages and probably ever for some countries that they've had to deal with, like, something like this. And so... I think the crazy thing was that so many people were learning on the spot, like not mm. only just the public on how to adjust to say wearing a mask or social distancing and being protective when you're around strangers and that kind of thing. But, you know, entire governments were having to learn how to adjust to these situations and mm. asking massive countries and smaller countries to just all of a sudden know what to do and the best possible way to do it is pretty intense, let alone telling everyone else that they also need to adjust straight away. Um, and so like, lucky for us in New Zealand, I feel, because we are like a lot smaller than so many other countries, we were able to make those adjustments a lot quicker and people were sort of quite quick to jump on board with taking it seriously. That's really good to hear that people took it seriously because I feel like in I don't want to say every other country, but most other countries, people didn't take it seriously, or at least enough people don't take it seriously that it messes it up for everyone else. And mm -hmm. talking about adapting and understanding, you're completely right. Like I'm mentioning masks, but that's a, a misremembering of the situation. I remember now thinking about it. I remember that for the first couple of months, everyone including the scientists, people forget now, but including the scientists were saying, masks aren't really important. And looking at it from here, it's, so there was probably an element of governments wanting to keep masks for healthcare professionals because we didn't have the capacity to produce enough of them back then. So they didn't want everyone to rush and buy masks when the people who needed it the most uh, would not have had them available. And it took a few months to ramp up, you know, production of the masks. But mo at the very beginning, everyone was thinking, oh, no, masks don't really help. And how is... How could we, you know, it's just people forget that you need to learn and adapt and it doesn't come instantly. You don't have all the answers immediately, even though, like, in reality, some countries had it figured out. But it's not the same when you don't understand it 
when you don't experience it yourself. And that's, that has been a recurring theme. And even people from Asian countries that had suffered from, you know, the avian flu and uh, back, you know, a few years ago, initially they were in the same position that we were. Of course, there's culturally more of a habit of wearing the masks, but they had the same issues we, were, we had at the beginning of the pandemic. But uh, all right, Louis, how is it going like a year into this thing in, in Portugal? Um, not so great. Um, <laughs> Can you speak was, a little bit louder? You're really quiet. Yeah, not so great. Um, I was actually remembering now how it, how it was one year ago. And yeah, you're right. We were not prepared for this. Um, I remember when this started, my, my girlfriend in February last year was in the US. And she told me that she saw a, a person on the airplane disinfecting every surfaces. And at the time, we thought, wow, that's so odd. And mm. about a month later, we were quarantining our groceries because at the time, there was a lot of, um, uh, there was a lot of uh, fear that the COVID was spreading by contacting surfaces and uh, contaminated mm. objects. So <laughs> it was a big change. And um, in the Europe, I remember at the time, um, Italy and Spain were having a lot of deaths, so we actually had a kind of a, a warning. So Portugal entered in a lockdown before things got uh, really bad, and we were confined for about uh, two months. And you know, things started uh, never really got that bad in that, in that first wave. They they really weren't very bad. We were scared. At the point initially, yeah, it was like, uh, "Oh, is this so serious?" But then we started seeing everybody, uh, the amount of death, in the, especially in Spain and Italy, and everybody was a bit afraid. And I was not remembering uh, about mask wearing. And you're right; in, initially, they weren't recommended for uh, general public. And I, I remember I was a bit resistant to the idea. I thought it was very hot, hot and uh, there was a point, I remember maybe March or April, that it's, it started to be the use of masks uh, turned mandatory mm -hmm. to go shopping or to go anywhere. And uh, the first few times I wore it, I, it was so strange. And I, it actually made me feel more afraid because it was very odd. And... Uh, I, when people were distancing and uh, it, it, it almost seemed like normal, there were fewer people in stores and everybody was uh, taking care of, taking, you know, uh, keeping distance. And well, it was strange, but it felt more normal. And when everybody started wearing masks, it's, it actually started, for me, it freaked me out a bit because, oh, this is really, really serious. And yeah. every time I went out, it, uh, it reminded me that there was a pandemic going on. And, you know, uh, one year later, and we are in lockdown again. This time things are, we have a, we had a second wave, like uh, most of Europe. And things are, are much worse now. And we have uh, a lot of infected, a lot of people died. And, yeah, it's, it's strange. About a year ago, we, <laughs> we, we, we wouldn't have imagined this. Yeah. How how's the vaccination going in Portugal? Um, 
uh, very slowly. We just started basically. Um, I mean, it, it's been a complicated topic because, uh, like I said, uh, around um, you know in January things things really started um, getting bad, and we the hospitals and the emergency rooms um, got uh, saturated, and. Um, that was about the time that vaccines were approved for use in Portugal. Mm -hmm. But I think this is a problem for for Europe. Um, I mean, Johnson & Johnson and now AstraZeneca, they're all saying that they only can provide about half the vaccines they were supposed to or they were expecting to provide. So here, I think we have vaccinated about um, 250,000 people. But it's been a very complicated process because we started with the uh, older persons, and uh, there, there actually the we have uh, with the, the government, the national, how do you say, the national security. Uh, I'm, I'm national security. Word, Patrick. Uh, it's not national security. We have uh, we have like in France, we have. Uh, national health care oh right system. of course of course yes mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm missing her i'm sorry I, i'm more sleepy than i thought <laughs> and um we actually get a text an sms when it's our time to go to take a vaccination so mm -hmm. there is a you know there's a list there is a process and um but uh you know it was i think i i didn't get very surprised but you know some persons uh, managed to you know cut in line to because of their position or they have a little more influence so they they managed to get vaccinated first and there was also some situations that uh, the vaccines have a, a very have a short expiration date so in some cases they 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 in the hospitals there were vaccines that were about to expire and they gave them to to people nearby just to not letting them go to waste and that was actually very poorly received most people mm. were very upset with that and uh, which surprised me totally because apparently they would prefer to waste the vaccines that give him to people that are not supposed to be taking them right now and it's, yeah, there were resignations and um, mm. now they are talking about uh, doing new laws to prosecute people that take the vaccine without uh, being their turn it's uh, it's actually a lot uh, stranger stranger than i would have thought i didn't thought this was going to happen i think the the situation you're describing lewis of of slow vaccines i, I don't think people cut the line in france but it, it feels very familiar or slow-ish um i mean in france currently we have uh 2,500,000 um, people who have received at least one dose of the vaccine. Um, one million have received both. And that's not a lot of the population, but we're now starting to get uh, something, uh, the, the vaccines being given through general practitioners. I don't know how it works exactly, given the, the constraints of, uh, you know, the cold the chain of cold. Um, in Finland, it's somewhat similar. We're at 5% uh, of the population giving one dose. Um, in the UK and 
I think it's Israel, like half the population has, has been given one dose, so they're doing a lot better. Even in the US, they have like 13% of the population having given being given one dose. Um, it seems, however, according to data from Google, uh, New Zealand is essentially not vaccinating people yet. Maybe that's because you don't really have the vaccine uh, circulating. I don't know, but... Uh, that's a, a little bit strange. Is is vaccination not starting in, in New Zealand? Yeah, they've literally just started the rollout this week and it's only going to like frontline uh, staff, uh, like doctors and people like that. But because we don't really have it here at all, I think we've just sort of been last priority and probably, um, yeah, like not really needing to have it as much as other countries. So it's like quite literally this week is the first start of the rollout. Right. Yeah, it makes sense. I think in Finland, we've kind of been uh, pretty good with the handling of the pandemic. And even now, I mean, obviously, in, in New Zealand, it's an island that's completely isolated. So I'm guessing it's easier to contain mm -hmm. it. Um, Finland is very, has a low population density, and it's fairly isolated up in the north, a lot more than countries like France or, you know, Central European uh, countries or Western European countries. Um, but everyone seems to be roughly between, uh, I mean, it's a little bit slower in France, but it's between three and five percent. Even Germany has four percent. I think logistically for bigger countries, it's more difficult. The UK has uh decided to give one dose to a lot of people so they have like 25% of the population who have received one dose um like almost no one has received two doses so everyone's doing it a little bit differently now we are hearing from experts from doctors that um it's it might be better to delay the second dose as we do with all vaccines you know it's you never get two doses like one uh, 15 days after the other. It's like six months or a year how you get a booster. But there was some confusion that maybe it wouldn't be as good because the tests actually were, because we had so little time, they tested it with giving the second dose very quickly after the first one. But the initial results seem to be very encouraging, even with one dose. Of course, you need the second one, but the first one is is fairly effective. It, it has an impact already. Um, and overall, even if people are still, I, I think people are taking all of this a little bit in the worst possible way. Like they see, oh, we only have five people of the five percent of the population vaccinated. This is going to take forever, and it might take forever. I think it's going to accelerate, um, but it's going to take at least a few months. Maybe it's going to take a year. You know, maybe it's going to take a year and a half. Um, but. <sighs> I think another thing that people don't like the way I feel about it, the once we're vaccinated and praying that variants don't don't mess everything up, um, but it's unlikely that a variant will be so different that it will be completely bypass the viruses, the the vaccines, and if they do, then we'll develop new vaccines, you know. But um, the the variants are a little bit of a concern because the vaccines can't be rolled out fast enough to stop everything in its tracks or slow it down fast enough or enough that it would uh, not uh, be altered through mutations. But 
you know, once enough people are vaccinated and everyone's vaccinated, it, people forget how deadly some of the uh, illnesses were until we got vaccines. You know, there are, I'm not even going to mention them, but there are, let's say, five or ten uh, illnesses that we vaccinate children and infants for that were devastating in the world before we had the vaccines. And I fully expect that once we have the vaccine, you know, enough people vaccinated in the world, COVID-19, we'll see if there's a, you know, COVID-19 point one <laughs> kind of variant that becomes as as problematic or more problematic, but COVID-19 will be dealt with as we've dealt with, I don't know, you know, polio and other illnesses that we've dealt with. And I'm still very hopeful that as slow as things are and as frustrating as things are, we're doing this so much more quickly that, than we could have hoped for. You know, usually vaccines take a couple of years at least to, to get developed. And the, the way we've handled, of course, there are, I don't want to diminish the deaths. Of course, there are many, many people who died. The U.S. just now crossed 500,000 dead, which actually in relation to the population size is fairly consistent with other countries like in, in Europe, for example. So anyway, um, it's, I think when history books are written about this, it's not going to be, it could have been handled better, of course. Yes, obviously. And what I would be more wary of would be if it happens again, hopefully we'll handle it better because this was the first time. It's very not presumptuous, but like it, when you say they should have handled it better, yes, they should have. But you're kind of saying, I could have handled it better a little bit. Like if I had had the same information, I would have make I would have taken better decisions. And it's extremely presumptuous and uh, it's hubris because every country has made the same mistakes. Is everyone as messed up? Of course, New Zealand shut down. Finland handled it better. But it's very different situations. It's more isolated countries that, that imposed things on their populations that were extremely unpopular and that would have had more impact in other countries. I don't... Same with the masks. There were reasons for telling people don't rush out and get masks. I think we've handled it... Maybe not... I'm not saying it was 10 out of 10 on a global scale but i don't think it's a one out of ten or two out of ten as many people are kind of yelling um i wonder how you you both feel about that obviously in new zealand you know you i think you've you're saying that you guys handled it very well given you don't ha have cases there but uh how do you feel about this like how we handled it or how we've been handling it until now um do you want to talk first sir Oh, uh, go ahead, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, um, I think it's of course easy for people to say that you know we could have handled it better, or there there could have been um, more things that certain countries could have done, etc. And of course, I think that that was always going to be the case, especially when 
um like during a pandemic you can't exactly plan for things like that like that um so i feel like when you say um people are sort of saying like that they personally could have handled better i completely agree um and being in new zealand it's quite hard because we probably don't have the same frustration and um lack of patience that other people in countries who have been in lockdowns for months and months and months and months would have. You know, we've we've still had that taste of real life. Like over Christmas and New Year's, we were able to go out and do things and spend it as per normal. So I don't feel like our patience has really been drawn to a thin line as much as other people. Um, and, and But even here, though, the same thing goes on. Like people here are still criticising the government for the way they're handling it. Um, and even with almost no cases, you know, people are saying they should be doing this, they should be doing that, especially for like businesses and that side of things who, you know, have to lock down for three days and it ends up being this huge thing because that's all we have to sort of go off. Whereas, you know, there are other businesses in other countries who've been shut down for months, almost a full year now, some of them. And it, it's just a completely different perspective over here. And I think I heard someone bring up, um, the other day, I think it was on a TikTok I saw they were talking about Kiwi privilege and um, we call ourselves Kiwis over here if you, if you don't know, but um, they're talking about Kiwi privilege because people here have been complaining about going into a three-day lockdown and all this kind of thing and I think we forget because we are so isolated and we are this little island at the bottom of the world that we're so lucky to even be able to do what we do and have the government that we have and uh, a prime minister who's extremely empathetic and takes into account both the economic effects, but also just the human element of it and, you know, taking care of people as individuals as well. So I think over here, um, we probably just as a country ourselves need to be a little bit more grateful and take a step back and look at it from a worldly perspective, because um, we, I think, are very quick to forget that um, there's actually a whole world outside of New Zealand because we are so isolated. Um, so, yeah, that seems to be the case here for a lot of the time. And, like, a lot, I've been taking interest in um, global news sort of ever since the election because that was a massive talk over here since our election was happening at the same time. And just even looking at how that was handled in comparison to here, it's just... Yeah, it's so different, and um, I think sometimes here we probably need to take a bit of a step back and just be grateful <laughs> for for what's going on. You know, it's it's really funny. Um, I, I have this theory that I've uh, formulated on the show that every country thinks that they're doing the worst job or a horrible job, and they're kind of on uh, out of the corner of their eye. They're saying, "Look at that country; they're doing it better." And that's the same in every country. And I swear, everyone I hear on this show feels like their country is handling... Well, they say that in their country, people are saying, oh, we're handling it horrible. And for context, New Zealand has had 2,365 cases total and 26 deaths total for a country of about, what is it, 5 million people. Um, yeah. Even in, in Finland, which has been handling it pretty well, we had uh, 55,000 cases and 734 deaths, which is not a lot given, you know, how many we've had in other 
countries. And even in Finland, I think to be fair, most people think that Sanna Marin has been doing a good job, but you still have people who are like grumbling and criticizing and who don't want to go into lockdown. And now we have the, you know, winter vacation and there's a ton of people who went skiing in Lapland. And you're like, what the hell, people? Like they go to vac on vacation and ah, it, but yeah, anyway. So, uh, Louis, I, I, I feel like you're going to tell me that the government handled it very poorly in Portugal and thus prove my theory right again. Uh, you're kind of a, a damned if you do, damned if you don't uh, <laughs> situation, but tell me. Oh, of course, Patrick, Portugal was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody handled it better. I think you're completely right on that. Every, everyone thinks the same thing. Um, but actually... Um, Things in the beginning, I mean, I think that they weren't uh, until the summer. I think uh, people were mostly satisfied with the way that the government was handling it. I think now they are not as satisfied because, well, <laughs> more people are dying, more people are infected. It's not exactly the government's fault, but um, um, they are hurting economically. And there was, but there was a, a few but problems. See, we have also. Th that's even, that's the worst thing is that if you are inc incredibly strict, of course you could be, and it would stop the pandemic in its tracks. Like get people in their homes, no exception for a month. The pandemic in the country is dead, right? It's over. Of course, you can do that because you have essential services. Like you can't let trash pile up. People don't have enough room in Paris to store food for a month so they would need to go out and even then after you've done that remember there was a time a year ago where we had no cases in any of Europe it, it only one infected person can start all of it again so there's and you have to take into account the economic things sorry but the, sometimes the way people think like they think in broad terms they're like oh we can we should only do this and they don't think about the more minute consequences of the the proposals that they're making sorry i interrupted no, that's, you that's true <laughs> <laughs> no 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 that's true you're, you're completely right on that but uh, there was a bit of poor planning at least on the part of the on um over um classrooms and students in schools mm. because uh, Okay, so we had the, the first wave and there was always expected that would be a second or that would be the possibility for that. And we actually had almost no preparation for that. Now schools are closed, uh, students are taking classes online again. And, you know, after a year, it would, we actually expected that uh, there were there had been some preparation or some planning for that and that but what would you happen. have hoped for it to happen like they close the schools before it's necessary like what do uh, you at some uh, point i'm sure you everyone understands you know maybe schools need to be closed maybe you need to implement a bigger lockdown in france they've implemented a curfew which is essentially you know at six o'clock everyone has to be home but it's not a full lockdown it's like you're you're going to need to do some form of a lockdown at some point but again if you do a lockdown in september instead of december it doesn't mean that when uh. you get out of the lockdown in october 
it doesn't start again, right? It starts immediately again if you have one case and you're not going to have no cases. So it's a constant, like, I guess what I'm getting at, Louis, sorry, but you're saying we should have been better prepared. What do you think, I'm sure you, do, you wouldn't know everything, but what do you think a couple of examples of that better preparedness would have been? Uh, it's not the, the, the lockdown part in itself. Um, it's about um, uh, distance um, learning, uh, you know, uh, preparing teachers and schools, having prepared to to give online lessons and tests. And it's oh, about that, that part. Okay. It was, yeah. yeah, it was, it was a, because there was the expectation that things were getting worse, that uh, eventually we will have to close schools again. And, you know, there, the institutions itself, it, there wasn't a lot of preparation, you know, it's like, oh, now we have to give uh, classes, classes by Zoom and, uh, wow, uh, children don't have computers, uh, the, the lectures aren't prepared, the teachers don't know how to work. And we have been through this once. So we did it in, the, you know, March and uh, April yeah. last year. So now there was an expectation that we were better prepared. On other things, we did fine. For example, we also had an election um, about a month ago. And, you know, everything w went, uh, it went smoothly. It was uh, easy. It was, uh, everybody was prepared. There were, but uh, the school part, I think that's the most uh, critical and that most people ha have uh, complaints about. I see. All right. Yeah, I guess that's a, a, a smaller part, but I understand that this would be, bring frustration. Um, all right. I think we've talked about <laughs> the pandemic probably enough, um, unless either of you have anything to add. Um, let's move on to something else. I feel like the other news... No, Louis, you want to add something? Yeah, I just... <laughs> sorry. I just remember that you told uh, earlier that... Uh, we had a vaccine uh, really fast. Usually it takes a couple of years. If I'm not mistaken, usually it takes about 10 years. Uh, mm -hmm. So this was ex this was extremely fast. I mean, six months ago, I wouldn't believe that we we're having vaccines right now. So that mm -hmm. part is extremely positive. And uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's really good news. I mean, one year after a pandemic, we are starting to get vaccinated. That's uh, really... For me, it beat all expectations. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, even if it takes a full year to get most people vaccinated because we can't produce enough of them quickly enough, and there has been some frustration there for sure, in a year, as I mentioned, and if there aren't any variants, it will be done. Like, of course, you'll still have people who will get sick and people who can't get vaccinated. I'm not saying it will be everything perfect, but once you're vaccinated, you're good. As I said, if, you, if you're not vaccinated for the 15 illnesses when you're a baby, you can get one and you can die. Of course, everyone else is vaccinated, so we have herd immunity, which happens with vaccines, so that's good. But before we got vaccines, that was a real danger all the time for everyone. It was like COVID-19, except a worse uh, uh, danger for one illness. And we had like five or 10 of them running around in society all the time, right? And anyway, vaccines, get vaccinated.
<sighs> Other news. All right, let's talk about something else. I feel like Perseverance is an awesome uh, <laughs> bit of, of news from another planet. Um, and the uh, uh, ingenuity of the human race and of the US, because it's NASA mostly. It's funny, there's like uh, two bolts that were made by a French lab. It's not two bolts. It's I shouldn't diminish the work, <laughs> but it's like the very complex work of sending stuff into space. But there's like a couple of instruments that were made in France and people are like, yay, France, we we work, we participated. But it's really the US and NASA. Um, but that was probably the main news aside from that and the, uh, uh, <laughs> the separation of uh, Daft Punk here in France, or here in France and a little bit in Finland. Um, and that was so, I felt extremely hopeful. And the importance of looking up, especially when you're, you know, in the, the muck of a, a horrible situation like like the pandemic. And I feel maybe people think that I'm being too optimistic about everything. I don't want to get people to think that I don't understand the gravity of the situation. I certainly understand it very well. Um, but yeah, it was really good to have perseverance kind of force us to look up if just for a minute I, I wonder if that also made the news um in in New Zealand and Portugal of course but was the the Mars Mars rover a big piece of news or was there something else in New Zealand that eclipsed it do you know what it really wasn't a big piece of news which <laughs> is amazing because it is in general a huge you know thing to Happen, but I think honestly, when I was saying before about how New Zealand sometimes we're so isolated that we can forget there's like the rest of the world. Um, I think that can sometimes happen with things like this too. And we're so focused on probably in the last week, especially on um our most recent lockdown threat, which was the first one since um uh it was August last year. So when people who were going into a three day lockdown, that was definitely consuming people's mm. minds um over anything else i think um so yeah it was definitely in the news but not a massive part of it although i think this is a really cool thing to happen to take away from the covid news um yeah. and to actually show that you know progress is still happening in other areas like this as opposed to just you know vaccination um development <laughs> etc it's funny because we got the 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 videos of uh the rover landing which we had for um was it curiosity the one before nine years ago um which were essentially it was a a post stamp sized gif uh, that we had as and this was like high definition um it's like a, an actual freaking thing landing on the planet and we're looking at landing on mars it's crazy and i feel like new zealand i'll i'll you know, from here, from France or from Europe, we're like, well, you know, the ones who speak English, it's like the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, a couple of others, they all, it's essentially the same thing, right? They all speak English, so they all have the same news and the same, and you're telling me, like, absolutely not. Um, New Zealand is very focused on New Zealand, which makes a lot of sense, but you don't get, like, it it would feel like it, there's a proximity, cultural pr proximity because of the language. Uh, but you're telling me, you seem to be telling me that's not the case. I mean, it was definitely in the news, but I okay. feel like the focus just wasn't on it because of mm. the lockdown threat. Um, 
But yeah, it, I do feel like there is a more of a focus here on like what's happening in New Zealand as opposed to like around the world. I mean, most of the news like I would get from a global perspective would be when I actually seek it out on like social media platforms as opposed to our traditional media outlets like on um, news on the TV. Interesting. Lewis, what about Portugal? Was it all doom and gloom or did you look up at the sky and the red planet? Oh, I was actually watching through the NASA well, uh, transmission on YouTube. But uh, for us, it was um, a, an early evening event. So it was a very good timing for the news. Mm. <laughs> so it was covered. It, it always is. I think this year it got uh, less coverage in the sense, in the sense that Usually, you know, with Curiosity and the other rovers, there's like a, a panel of experts and they talk about it for days. Mm. And, okay, this series was just more like, oh, well, there's a landing. And uh, after that, um, there's a few, a few images here and there. But, uh, yeah, it got less attention. It's funny. I'm, I'm, maybe it's because I... And the I... special effects were not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I don't know, maybe it's because I watch uh, more geeky news or, you know, my, my feeds know that I, I'm interested in this kind of thing. But I feel like it wasn't the main news. I don't want to make it seem like it was like everyone running around in the street, waving their arms around, going like, oh, my God, we landed on Mars again. Um, but it was definitely like covered extensively we had like the initial images and then the the proper full images and the video and the sound and every newspaper covered them um at least a couple of times so maybe it's a french thing we have a, a great affinity i think for for science you know fundamental research is a big thing in france and even though ironically now france has become one of the countries where there are the most anti-vaxxers for some reason it's like uh, i don't understand but we have a great affinity with with science in france and maybe that's that's part of it um maybe it's bigger here i keep saying here even though i'm in finland now but um it maybe it's a little bit bigger here it's possible um i guess the other big event uh that definitely is focused on france is uh, daft punk not you know separating which everyone was sad about even though they hadn't done anything for eight years um i wonder also if that made the news or if it's because you know it's the french french touch and they're french so everyone is like oh it's the most important thing in the world um the, what about new zealand is is new zealand sad about daft punk or do you just <laughs> care about trivial things like a, a, a lockdown of the entire country again yeah yeah just you know the basic things like another lockdown i don't even think daft punk made well not the news i was i looked at anyway definitely like i would, wouldn't even have known had i not seen it like on my feed scrolling through social media and that was just something completely unrelated to the traditional news here so yeah really funny Mm. I am uh, a little bit disappointed in uh, in New Zealand. I have to be <laughs> I'm honest. I'm so sorry. <laughs> what about <laughs> Portugal? <laughs> what about Portugal? Will you redeem yourself or the world in the eyes of this French person? Um, well, Portugal, yes. I definitely am not redeeming myself because uh, I was like, um, Death Punk, 
yeah, that sounds that sounds familiar, but I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> but yeah, it made the, all the newspapers here. Okay, so right, I, that's good. maybe it was more important than uh, than the rover because, well, we didn't do any bolts for the rover like the French did. So. <laughs> I mean, I have to be honest, Daft Punk, I didn't, like, I was a little bit, I like Daft Punk, but I was a little bit puzzled at the, it's like, but again, they haven't done anything for eight years, I guess there was a promise of them doing something later at some point, and now that promise doesn't really exist anymore, um, but I was like, I don't know, it's like, it's been a certain thing, a certain state of things for eight years, and all of a sudden, it's continuing. And like, oh my god, no, it's continuing! But I don't know. I, I'm being a little bit facetious. I, I understand. But um, Maybe we there... needed other news than, than COVID. So, you know, Death Punk, yeah, that's different. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think that's the main things that happened in France. Not much in, in um, Finland. I think the Navalny uh, uh, trial is, and the situation in Russia is still being reported on in, in France, uh, in Finland, sorry. But it's kind of winding down a little bit. And I wonder how it's going gonna, it's gonna to go. I don't even know, to be honest, if protests are still happening. But... Um, We'll see. I, I'm sure we'll have more on that. In uh, in it's definitely been overtaken by the pandemic nowadays. Um, so I think we've covered about everything. But I, of course, I I, I want to know what has been making the news other than COVID. But it seems it's mainly COVID, which you know has been a recurring theme on the show for the past year. But uh, yeah, is there anything else you want to bring up from New Zealand, Sarah, or is that it? I actually wonder if this made the news in France. Maybe you might know, considering I feel like this person um, was quite big over there. If you're a rugby fan, um, Dan Carter, who was a um, really famous all-black rugby player and lived over in France for quite a while and had a, I know had a big presence in the rugby scene over there, he recently retired. So did that make it in the news at all? Or... <laughs> Well, I'm not a big sports fan, so I didn't see it. I'm sure that sports people saw that because rugby is, is pretty big in France. It's, uh, you know, not as big as football, of course, but uh, as soccer. But uh, I, I, I didn't see it. It's probably a, you know, I, I, I don't even know who he is. Um, yeah, I'm just but. curious because that was probably one of the biggest news stories in our little world and i think i was just wondering if it maybe made over there for sports fans but interesting anyway (laughs) yeah i'm sure you know but rugby is like your your national sport right so that's uh that's a pretty big deal for you yeah yeah it's like the all blacks here who's our national rugby team they're like the biggest celebrities in the country so Mm. when anything happens with them it's a big deal I'll, I will say, however, that everyone knows the All Blacks in France. Like, that's impossible not to, right. to know. And uh, when you say All Blacks, your image, is it the Haka? Is it called the Haka? Yes. The, yes. Everyone yep. knows the, the Haka, Haka and, and everyone will uh, very clumsily and offensively probably try to mimic <laughs> a little bit of the, the, <laughs> the singing. Um, but that is like, I, I, aside from sheep, uh, the All Blacks and the Haka are the most well-known, like it's the ambassador of New Zealand. 
And yeah. there's... It's more the Hakka and the All Blacks than sheep, to be honest. I know the sheep about because of you know my history with the country, but um, it makes the country feel so badass. It's like, oh my god, you don't mess with the Kiwis; like they they will <laughs> mess you up. So yeah, yeah, don't mess with us. We're small, but <laughs> but no, that's interesting to hear that. Um, in addition to sheep, that that's something that people know us for. So good to know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure in Portugal, people know about the old blacks and the Hakka as well, right? Um, yeah, they know it, but it was not news here. <laughs> and I was just thinking, oh, it's New Zealand, it's not Australia. <laughs> 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 Maybe very offensive. I'm sorry, Sarah. <laughs> so so what, about, <laughs> what about Portugal? Um, what's, what happened aside from everything we've discussed, if, if, if anything, uh, that made the news? Uh, uh, okay, so we are in lockdown. So here it's really COVID, COVID. But we actually have uh, another news. It was kind of related, related with sports because an ex-president of a football club, club uh, football as in soccer, was um, detained in Brazil because he was in a private plane with uh, 500 kilos of cocaine. So that has been on the news. <laughs> it's been like a topic of interest. It, was it his cocaine or it just happened to be on the plane? Well, he says it just happened to be on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it this. Was a this isn't plane. mine. <laughs> Yeah, because there was another guy uh, from Spain. So yeah, that's that, that, that's from the other guy. I mean, I have nothing to do with it. Uh -huh, <laughs> Something like obviously. that. Obviously, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that is uh, going to be it. Um, yeah, it's been a, a strange, a strange year. My, I, I stand by my prediction, though. But you know, twenty twenty one is gonna be. <laughs> I, I said by the. By summer, we're going to really start to feel the effects of vaccination. And I stand by that idea. We're only just in, in February and already it's starting. So I stand by my prediction and uh, I stand by the idea that 2021 is going to be awesome because we're going to start doing stuff again. Just like, you know, the, the Kiwis do. They never stopped. Three-day lockdown. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, come and join us back in normality and pretending like everything's okay. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Before we leave, um, please do let us know where we can find you on the internet so the listeners can get more uh, of what you have to offer. Louis, do you have any place you can direct people? Um, yeah, I guess the other Louis in, in Twitter, but I'm not, I don't post much these, these days. Oh, well, we'll put the link to the, in the show notes anyway. Uh, so you can, you can get a little bit of activity there. And uh, what about you, Sarah? <laughs> the, the podcast? And is there anything else? Or mention the name of the podcast again. Yeah, like the best place to find me would be the podcast Instagram, which is just at the One Up Project. Or if you want to find me personally and chat about all the great things New Zealand has to offer, like sheep. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Sarah Kelsey <laughs> with three Y's. Perfect. We'll put the links to the show no uh, to the Twitters uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much for being on. 
For me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and everywhere else. I'm not Patrick everywhere. Uh, and if you want to support the show, you can do so at the Patreon.com/slash/TheFidiusClub. Um, I very much do appreciate the support that all the listeners uh, give the show and give me personally. So thank you so much, and uh, hopefully next year we'll be talking about all of this again in a very different way. All right. Talk to you in a few weeks for the next episode. We're, we're, <laughs> we were talking after the end of the episode. We're like, what does a three-day lockdown even do? Like, it's a at least a week, 10 days of incubation period. Uh, what's the point of a three-day lockdown, Sarah? I know. <laughs> it is interesting. And I think that the main point is just to stop any further potential spread and let any other cases come to light in that three days. And it's basically like an incubation period to check if within that three days any more people um, have the the virus. And then if they do, then it sort of gives the government an indication as to whether or not we need to go into lockdown for longer or oh. not. So, so it's lockdown for three days, yeah. look at things. And by the end of the three days, if you have more cases, you're like, well, it seems like it's going that direction. So let's be more careful. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. exactly. All right. Well, thanks for the clarification. <laughs>